My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as guest today, back for third, fourth? Something around that, yes. Something like that, (laughs) is career coach Lee Jessup. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me again. We've decided to make this an annual thing. Yay, I can't wait. Yes, yes. Um, Let me tell you about Lee in case you don't already know about her. She is the author of Breaking In, Tales from the Screenwriting Trenches and Getting It Right, an insider's guide to a screenwriting career. She is a career coach for screenwriters with an exclusive focus on the screenwriter's professional development. In addition to her ongoing work with working and emerging screenwriters, she's also a consultant for NBC International Sales Team, as well as a mentor for Universal's prestigious Universal. Writers program. Yay! That sounds much better than uh, <laughs> than it looks from my angle. Well, I, I look. I only read like a couple of sentences. There's a whole bunch of other stuff too. <laughs> if you want to find out more about Lee, go to leejessup.com and you can see her full bio. Um, the reason that Lee is here this year and why we've decided to make it a yearly thing is that um, Lee is going to talk a little bit about some of the trends uh, that have already happened in 2017 and things that writers should be thinking about specifically for 2018. What might be some trends? How is the business changing? It seems to change constantly, and Lee has her fingers on the pulse of that. So hit us, Lee. (laughs) It is changing. It's changing rapidly, and it feels like this year um, that much more so because the industry and writers have been so affected by what's happening in the world, what's happening politically, and I was actually driving today and thinking about this conversation that we were going to have about trends and what we saw and how this year evolved, both on the feature and television side, um, because politics has definitely influenced it. We are in what we're calling TV in the time of Trump or Trump TV. Um, features as well have been influenced by it, and you really can see the trends that have emerged this past year that lead to what can and will happen in 2018. So should I just jump on into it? I like it when you do that. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to go for it. (laughs) Um, So as we know, with the election, there there was a lot of of emotion that was strewn into that. So on the TV side right away, we we got the directive that we are no longer looking for political shows. Um, So if you talked about needs lists that are the lists that agencies build about that speak to what networks, digital, cable, are looking to buy, political was the first thing not to pitch them, right? So there was no longer conversation about political shows because the habits of television viewers, like the habits of most people around the world, have changed in the last year, year and a half, where suddenly more and more people are consuming news content on a regular basis. I can tell you that privately I went from catching news on a regular basis, but 
as it worked out, to suddenly recording my five favorite news shows and having to binge them. Um, and so I can completely understand how the reaction to that is no more politics. We have enough of that. In our real life, we want a little bit more escapism. So on television, we saw definitely search to move away from politics, to move away from light, to lighter fare. So towards the end of the summer, the end of the buying season for networks, we suddenly got word that networks are looking for multicams, as many multicams as they can find, which is such a throwback. Um, really. So when we just, just, just to interrupt for a second, because just to redefine multicams, what we mean is um, something that looks like a traditional sitcom. You've yeah. got stock sets and you've got many cameras filming different angles on people. So it doesn't look just like a filmed play, but that's kind of what it is. We're talking things that look like... Uh, uh, Will and Grace. Right, right, right. Having Will and Grace come back. Yeah, yes. And Will and Grace coming back was a great reminder of how desperate we are many many television viewers are for simpler times happier times laughier times but okay so just just to sort of play devil's advocate Please. for a moment which i might be doing a lot we'll, we'll see but <laughs> but okay you say no political right mm-hmm. but i say everything's political right now i mean look at will and grace right Absolutely. what launched what relaunched that series mm-hmm. was that little video that they tested out, right? Mm-hmm. About who would Jack vote for, exactly. right? And um, and when they when it did so well, it seems to me like when it did so well, they were like, okay, yeah, let's pull the trigger on this, right? Yeah, but I think that that show caters to a specific audience already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, back in the '90s, it was a show with two homosexual characters. It was a show that really challenged the norm, and it continues to do it today, but it was a show that leaned left anyway. If you looked at the 10-minute brilliant little short that they did, it was all about anti-Trumpism, um, if you will, in a very subtle New York-y, you know, Upper West Side kind of way. Um, <laughs> but it, it very much took a stance on what its characters perceived as right and wrong should and shouldn't happen. So while I feel that Will and Grace is definitely influenced by politics and I'm grateful for it, I think that what it did to networks is, is create a search for multicams that can apply to the rest of the, in the country. Because after the election last year, there was this question that was raised, are we, Hollywood, only catering to half of the country? Are we not servicing the entirety of this country and therefore not capitalizing on what should be seen. So in this buying season, there was a lot of suspension of of disbelief shows. There were a lot of of pitches about, and this didn't go up, but something to the tune of the shoe salesman who suddenly becomes a congressman, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there was a lot of these grand concepts. That would never happen. (laughs) Don't be, that's crazy. Really? What are you talking about? A shoe salesman. (laughs) Get out of here. How about a real estate guy? Um, (laughs) So yeah, so we saw a lot of these kind of big ideas, leap of faith kind of shows um, that were getting shopped around. And there was definitely an interest in that because there was a question, are we not catering to the totality of the viewership in this country? Which, if you look at it from a very cold and sardonic point of view, can be looked at as, are we not grabbing all the money that's on the table um, in terms of bringing viewerships to network, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where multicams came in. That directive seemed to quiet a little bit. Um, but we're still seeing more that continued exploration, not in an aggressive a fashion as we saw a few months ago. That was just all network wants for about two weeks was yeah, multicam. So multi-cams. going into 2018, you feel like it, it's not only multicams 
like you said, it's calming down, but you feel like this will still be a trend in 2018. Yeah, yeah I, I very much feel that multicams are having a resurgence for many different reasons, because we are finding ourselves again in an exploratory space, right? We are, if we're saying we haven't catered to 100% of our viewership, we've only catered to 50% or 60%, what does the other 40% want to watch? Mm-hmm. Could it be multicams? Could it be these more nostalgic shows that have a feel of older times, better times that we're seeing a yearning for, um, both interestingly from the liberal left and the right, potentially for different reasons, uh, but folks who are looking for laughter and simplicity um, for what, whatever their viewpoint is. Um, and so I do feel that that conversation, the multicam conversation, is not ending. Do you feel in movies as well that people are going to... So somebody in, in my group just said, um, oh, I think that the trend's going to be toward like Bruckheimer kind of like old... like." Uh, like eighties, um, I don't know. Not necessarily. Guy saves the world stuff. I, I think there, there's always place for those movies, mm-hmm. and we haven't really truly seen them go go away. They've always come back in one method or another, whether it's Taken or Olympus Has Fallen or any one of those successfully or less. So there's always those kind of movies. But I think what we've seen specifically on the screenwriting side of things. You know, last year and the year before was the year of Blonde Ambition, right? The the Madonna movie um, that topped the blacklist. The year before that, it was Bubbles. Uh, but we also saw I, Tanya that is now oh, coming yeah. out as a big award contender. Oh my God, I can't wait to see that. I have the screener sitting in my house oh, and I haven't been able to watch so it yet. It's killing me. lucky. I was killing so me. into that scandal in the 90s. <laughs> I can't tell you. I had a party watching the Olympics. It was it was wrong, but it was so right. Uh, you you got to do what you got to do, yeah, you know? I know. So interestingly, you know, we... We've started seeing this trend over the last few years, specifically when it comes to prestige lists, to blacklist script, to hit list scripts, um, being these based on real life, based on real characters um, kind of scripts. But it took an interesting angle or had a bit of a you know, kind of gossipy element to it, for lack of better words. Everybody wants Madonna's origin story, um, you know, Tony Harding, of course, we all want to talk about. So we did explore those, but I find that this year, it's not for nothing that as the year kicked off, we saw um, Unfit sell very, very early. I think it was really the beginning of February, end of January, like right after um, Trump went into office, which is really a movie about women's rights. Um, then we saw Keeper of the Diary that was sold um, by Jeff Portnoy, both of them by Dave, David Boxerbaum. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Hello. Um, that was about the publication of Anne Frank, Frank's diary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're continuing to see this search for stories about real people, things that happened that we may not know the ins and outs of, but I feel like we're getting more of a social justice bent to them um, that we didn't see quite so much before. It was certainly there. And if you're looking at the the ones that still stick to real life real people but don't necessarily fo- follow the social justice band you're looking at inspiration right we're looking at elon musk mm-hmm. we're looking at fantastical stories um so so it's interesting so so you're saying in tv since we had so many dark stories for so long we're looking for something lighter in the way of multicams so we can laugh again right we're looking for something lighter and i'll just add to that not to completely cut you off but just to complete the the tv um direction right now we're 
everybody's getting the directive, don't go too dark. The world is dark enough right now. Mm-hmm. And don't go period, because period is really expensive. And also can go dark. When it's very interesting, yeah. it's very dark. Yeah, it's, but it's, first of all, it's, it's the fastest way to become a deniable script. Hmm. Open on period. Um, specifically in TV, that's so budget conscious, because it's, the first script is one of 50 or 100, potentially. Um, so it becomes a much more expensive venture. Um, but back to film, where I totally cut you no, off. No, I, it was just, just on a thematic, just on the mm-hmm. politics, because I still want to keep talking about both of these <laughs> mediums. I'm not summing up the whole thing, trust me. But on uh, politics, it seems like, so even though we want something that sort of makes us laugh on TV, thematically, these, we can't get away from these themes. They, they are in our consciousness right oh, yeah. now, and we want to explore them, and they're coming through. And in features, if we're looking for, like you said, like these, these, these projects that explore those themes, if it's Anne Frank, it's still where it, it can be reflective of, of what we're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so features go in a little deeper, and TV's getting a little lighter, it sounds like. But that seemed to be like the opposite for so long. We were getting so sick of features because they were so light and TV was nice and dark. And now we're kind of flipping that a tiny bit. A tiny bit. I mean, I think the TV is still looking for what it has to say. Mm -hmm. Um, I I listened to a podcast the other day with um, a TV show creator um, and I had to turn it off. And the TV show creator will go nameless here because you'll understand second, Um, because the writer said something to the tune of, I just wanted to write something that matters. And I think that we're in a time that a lot of writers want to write something that matters. And I, and we're seeing that more and more so in TV and a more, or in features in a more direct way. Here's a story about injustice that speaks to the themes that I'm interested in exploring. But I, I do think that there is still depth in that sense in television. I just think it's less on the nose. Well, I I think you yeah yeah nailed it you nailed it because everything matters yeah look and and things can make you laugh and you're laughing at something that's very real and often painful mm-hmm. you know and that's why we we love comedies um, yeah something matters it's, who knows what that, that yeah and, and I think both you and I work with writers and so we know that all of the writers that we work with or in the very least most of them. Mm-hmm do have something that they want to say and yes. do want to create important work. So for me, that was just a tough pill, pill to swallow. But I think TV-wise, it's been a really interesting year because the things that have succeeded in TV, I don't know that they would have gone into production had it been two years later. So Handmaid's Tale that I'm crazy about, and I think it's just brilliant and released it right at the right moment, there is a question of had it not gone into production, had it not been slated to release, would it have gone into production after he was elected? I don't know, Um, but it's really fascinating how TV, film, politics intermingled and reflected on one another this year um, that, to me, I feel gave it all more meaning Mm -hmm. um, and made it that much more critical and also that much more of an outlet. I think it's not for nothing that we're all watching Stranger Things, right, and escaping um, to the 80s. I won't quite go back as far as Roy Moore and when we think life was glorious, um, but, uh, but, you know, I think that stranger things, will and grace, those things are reflective of nostalgia for simpler times, no matter what side of politics or what you're we on. thought was simpler times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think, 
Yeah. Anyway, yes, <laughs> I, I love Stranger Things, and I love I love this reboot of of Will and Grace. I adore it. So if if this need for something that's escapism brings out quality like this, mm-hmm. that's wonderful. Um, I, I do hope though that people don't say, "Well, we can't tell these stories. We can't we can't you know pick at the scab." Because um, people won't want it, I, I think that you know, you know that that people still look to art, yeah, to um, for an outlet for for the negative things they're feeling too, you know, to really explore in maybe also a smart way mm-hmm. um, to get answers um, without being lectured to. Absolutely. I don't know what I'm saying. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I think it's actually a really amazing time to be a writer mm-hmm. because I think that a lot of the evolutions that happened in the world, in America first and foremost because we're here, but also in England and in Germany and, and all over Europe in different ways, um, it really crystallized for a lot of people, a lot of writers, a lot of creatives, thematically what is interesting to them thematically what do they want to explore and i do think that these mediums allow both film and television both visual mediums different formats obviously allow an outlet for that and so i feel that a lot of the writers that i've worked with over the years their focus seems to have really crystallized in the last year year and a half because no matter what side of things they are on Everything that's been happening has been challenging them in such a remarkable way that it really caused them to own what it is that they want to say, what it is that they believe in one way or another and take it and run with it. And I think we're seeing that reflected in material that's getting out there. I mean, of course, we're seeing movies or screenplays like Princesses, which is kind of Avengers with classic princesses Mm -hmm. getting picked up because that's also fantasy and escapism. and, And we love that in cinema. Um, but I find that the breadth of what we can do and the areas that we can go to specifically when it comes to social justice is just something that we hadn't done in a long time. I mean, 10 years ago, if anybody had come to us and said, you know, I have a script and it's period piece, social justice, courtroom drama, and I'm going to make a splash with it, we would have laughed them out of the room, right? I mean, there's nothing, there was nothing less sexy than that. Um, And I feel like there is more contemplation today of the work itself as opposed to its overall sex appeal. Now I'm trying to think of what period piece courtroom drama are you talking about? <laughs> with, I should know. Like, and that equals what? Well, that that just uh, was unfit that came to mind. But, oh, unfit. But, okay. Because because unfit's not out yet, so I I don't know what yeah. this is. But that's yeah. what that's what the yeah, that, thing is. That, that's that's the thing that's that's sold a week or two after. Trump got into office. But I do feel that there's just interest in work that is not what used to be the thing that would get everybody talking. And and I think it's a really exciting time for writers. Because I do think that because there have been so many stories, and specifically on the film side, that have been told in a linear fashion, now we're still looking for those interesting stories of people that have lived in this world, who've affected us, but an interesting new way to tell them. So that's something that I'm definitely seeing trending when it comes to agencies, when it comes to management companies. Great, you want to tell the story of Toni Morrison, but how do we tell it in a nonlinear, you know, she was born and then this happened kind of way. So there's definitely a, a search for telling stories that are more dramatic, less genre, but what is the new and exciting way in which we're going to tell them? 
I mean, I do think that we're also having a huge resurgence in horror. I think Get Out was a huge moment for horror in film um, in that it, too, managed to make a statement um, while getting up enough scares to get people into the movie theaters. Um, but it raised our expectations as far as the horror genre is concerned, which is always fun, mm-hmm. right? Because as viewers and as people who work in this industry, you're always looking for what is the next evolution of enter genre name here whether it's horror or comedy or romantic comedy or, or whatever we're always looking for that next thing and get out really took that and pushed it something that we saw starting to happen with movies like let the right one in and babadook and in the years before but get out really brought it to the mainstream um a lot more well, it also had that that you know comedic sensibility that was yeah. running through it as well like yeah. if you have like babadook and stuff i mean everything is so intense and so dramatic and um, and so subtle, and there was, uh, you know, there was the the comedy in terms, and then there was the social commentary. Mm-hmm. There was even a little bit of camp mm-hmm. at times. So it kind of um, gives horror. Uh, it, it, it lets it be that yeah. now as yeah. well. So now, now I know I'm reading a lot of versions of of those kinds of things now, where there's like this sort of hybrid with comedy and horror. Mm-hmm but also getting like some social statement in at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it evolved. It's just a, a great evolution. You know, another thing on the screens that happened was The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here we have a romantic comedy where one of our two romantic leads is in a coma mm-hmm. for half the movie. Um, not the standard procedure, right? Um, but ultimately something that infused romantic comedy and for those of us who still love those movies with an idea of, oh, there's a new angle, there's a new voice kind of, really looking at romance and culture in different societies, et cetera, et cetera, that just kind of gave it a little bit of a new life, which was refreshing and wonderful to see. Um, So we are looking at diversifying who we're telling stories about um, more aggressively than we did before, and I think we are opening up to that more and more now. I think we've been doing better in... I don't know. It seems like in 2017, even before our current state of affairs, that uh, that female characters, uh, you know, have become the new normal um, as far as spec scripts go, as far as um, people being open to projects with, you know, female male uh, female main characters. Mm-hmm. You know, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman did so well, mm-hmm. and so that was to me, sort of a, a great stride. Absolutely. And again, like a new normal, not just like the year of the woman and we're yeah. going to go back to, like it really feels like, okay, at least we've got that. Of course, it's mostly been the year of the white woman. And now hopefully like, you know, so, so okay, so we've got Wonder Woman great and now it's going to be just more and more normal to see females on screen and hopefully females of color as well mm-hmm. as um so would you say that that's a trend in 2017 that got kind of sealed with wonder woman i think it's i don't think it's just wonder woman even though it definitely did a lot for it i think with that with uh big little lies with handmaid's tale you, you have the these number of projects that are very for lack of better words female forward um, that show us these complex and different female characters um, that are becoming the most successful, right? That that are rising to the top, whether on the big screen or on the on the small screen, and and therefore creating more of a norm there. And I agree with you. We need to see that diversify further. Um, I think we need 
the, the thing is to not take a step back and say, okay, we're done with white women now. Let's go to African-American women right. or Asian women, but rather to grow that field um, by adding onto it. Yeah. That again, it can't be a novelty. None of yeah. these things like that's always been so maddening in the past. Mm-hmm. Somebody goes, yay, we did it. Let's, let's go back to yeah. how it was. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's going to be like that anymore. Well, I'm like, hoping. we're in a year that I, again, I feel like politics and social justice and the Me Too campaign and all of those things are trickling down to storytelling and the role of the people telling those stories to infuse themselves into them, their stories, however they see themselves and whoever they are. The reality is that there are a ton of female writers um, of all races and nationalities and whatnot. Um, and so stepping out of always writing for a male lead is certainly starting to happen. And, and it was a year of really solidifying that the female character is not just the thing of the moment. When suddenly you watch the Emmys and everything that's, getting, that's winning big is female-driven. That's a moment. That's mm-hmm. a moment for television. Now, that doesn't mean that men are terrible and we shouldn't write for them anymore. Um, there is a balancing that has to happen, but I, I really hope that we're going to see even more of that and women of different races, colors, faiths, on and on and on. Because we're, we're, I can't even say we're in the start of this evolution because it feels like this evolution is now really hitting a strong moment. Clearly it's been going on for a while. Um, but there's a trend here that's catching that I think can really change things. Um, for a longer term. And it's the same with diversity, truly. Um, I don't remember the last time I saw a comedy with a, a romantic comedy with a Muslim lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're starting to see this shift because I think we're, we're forced to be more curious about one another. Um, and women are taking this moment to not be silenced um, and speak about their experiences. And I think that's bleeding into material in a really great way. Uh, can I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing I'm scared about, though. Please. And that is that with all this Weinstein BS going on, all this horrible news every day, mm-hmm. um, that someone, that, that TV writers' rooms are going to use this as an excuse to go back to keeping women out of comedy writing rooms because, oh, well, I'm scared that they'll be too sensitive or I can't make a joke or we can't have this be body guy stuff. And it took so long for women to get into those rooms Mm -hmm. and be like, come on, you know, you can joke around in front of us the way you could joke around with anybody. And now I'm just positive they're going to use it as an excuse. So, so, and, and of course that's the opposite of, of what, what this should, is all about, right? Yeah. Um, so, so uh, I, I don't know. Are you are you worried about the same thing? Um, at the moment, I'm not, just because a lot of my female writers are getting out there more so than my male comedy writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the blowback looks like a year from now or two years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly a possibility of that, um, of just everything clusters, because you just go, okay, we're, we're going to cluster over here, we're going to be safe, we're going to stay safe because anybody can say anything to us or about us that puts us in jeopardy. So mm-hmm. let's keep the women out and especially comedy rooms um, because things can get really interesting at one o'clock in the morning when sure, you haven't they, come up with a joke. Right. Um, it's, we, we don't yet know the ramifications of the Me Too campaign and the Harvey Weinstein and Weinstein of it all. 
um, which is always horrible to say that just because I, it shouldn't just be limited to Harvey Weinstein. And I think if we limited to Harvey Weinstein in our thinking, we've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as we know, and as it continues to come out, a much more prevalent thing, um, which we've all known. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't yet know how, what that effect will be. Can that be that negative blowback on female writers, specifically in comedy? Yes, I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, I'm encouraged by the fact that my female TV writers, specifically on the comedy side, are are going out for meetings and being considered for rooms more than ever before. It could be the pendulum swinging, and it will swing back at some point, um, where now it's swinging to inclusion, 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 and then it'll swing back to, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. This this puts me in jeopardy, me, male showrunner, male comedy writer, um, puts me in jeopardy. Um, but or time maybe we'll on. just have more female showrunners. That would be nice. I say our put executives. a pin in it. Let's discuss next year at our annual review. Exactly. Um, and see what's happened since then. So I, I apologize. I've probably steered this, this uh, conversation too much toward these issues. Um, they're of interest to me. But they're um, important issues. And they're, they're issues that are important to the industry. They're affecting our industry directly. This is the industry that has been the most, um, not only have women been willing to make that statement, but the industry has been willing to, at least in the moment, respond to it. Um, And I think, you know, where there's things about the industry that nobody wants to model or emulate, I think this is something hopefully will be prevalent in other industries as well, because we know it's there. But the reality is, this is the world we live in. You know, we are deep in this industry. I was in Israel when the Louis C.K. stuff came out. I was on my phone reading that stuff while visiting my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it's very real for the people that operate in this universe. You know, I have a writer who sold a show that had some elements of sexual harassment in the workplace, and that had to be reconsidered because it wasn't, it was, wasn't any longer quite as questionable um, as it was when she sold the pilot. As questionable or as as funny? Did she make it funny? It wasn't a comedy. It was a drama. But it was one of those things that like, oh, nobody will believe her. Now it's like, of course, a woman makes uh, a claim. I see. So, so it, the conflict was no one would believe. But now the yeah. com- it, that does make a lot of sense. And that's, that's good. It's, you know, bad for the script, but very good for society. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, so so uh, what about trends with genre? Do you see any any... You mentioned that biopics people... Mm-hmm. Are, are interested in, mm-hmm. um, but also with a sort of a campier flair, like yeah. this I, Tanya or the Madonna biopic. Um, any other genres that you're seeing people like or push away? As I mentioned earlier, horror, I feel, is having a big moment because it's very usually very producer pr- producible, very financially viable. Um, we have family friend who just did um, Happy Death Day that finally came out that he was running around with for about 10 years, and I don't think it's, it's coincidental that this is the year that it finally comes out. Um, there is that desire for horror, um, horror genre, thriller, um, thriller genre, suspense, all of that, I feel, always is always an attractive area to play in. I find that genre, um, specifically for writers, has kind of become split rather than looking at, do you write comedy or do you write drama or do you write 
sci-fi, it's really becoming about the darker space and the lighter space. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so what, that's, that's good news for writers, right? Yeah. Because you don't have to pigeonhole yourself as much? I think there has to be consistency mm-hmm. between them. Um, but at the end of the day, really, if you look at it as like, okay, this is really one side is super lighter fare. And the other side is darker. And within that, you can have a thriller, you can have a dark courtroom drama, and you can have grounded sci-fi. All of that kind of goes together. You can lean into horror as well if you really want to. Um, But it just gives you more of of a playing field. There just has to be cohesion. Um, You know, I feel that the times that writers can go astray with that is if they write a grounded thriller and then, you know, kind of a sci-fi fantasy taking place in Mars, Mm -hmm. where you're just going to go, what? Um... But there is a little bit more room to play. I still don't find that in terms of genre and brand selection, writers can vacillate between, you know, a raunchy comedy and a heady intellectual thriller. That's still a no-no. But we are looking at a general feel for the writer as opposed to a genre. That said, thriller continues to be successful. Horror continues to be successful. Um, But we have seen kind of fun little scripts break out, like tape that went out a few months ago and princesses. Um, Tape was about two boys, two boys, two young men who set out in search of a videotape of the greatest game in the NBA that nobody's ever seen, which is a tape of a game played between the Lakers and the Chicago Bulls in the 90s to prove who was the best player in the world. Um, The tape is is real, but the story is not. Um, And it was a fun little action comedy uh, for lack of a better word. So we are seeing those kind of things surface. That said, I find that the darker genres, and drama can fall into that, continue to be more and more successful. Um, it's really drama that has been the popper in the last couple of years that kind of makes you look at the genre breakdown every time the lists come out at the end of the year list and go, wait, what? Um, that makes me happy. <laughs> I really love dramas. I mean, yeah. I, I love it, like just being able to tell, you know, grown up stories about real things in authentic ways, as opposed to like constantly trying to chase a certain genre, even though in my classes, you know, I, I'm usually steering people in a genre direction mm-hmm. again for selling reasons. But um, if dramas are starting to find their day, yeah, that's absolutely. awesome. That's I mean, great. you remember five, 10 years ago, drama was a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Like if you said to somebody, I have a drama script, oh my God, <laughs> like, I'm, give me, give me some, you know, something to cuddle with. I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't exciting. And I find that today there is much more so the search for biopics, for real events, real stories, because there is a search for IP, right? Mm-hmm. There is a search for something that is in the cultural consciousness that makes a piece of material that much more viable. So would a script about a man looking to publish the diary of his daughter who died in the Holocaust been as attractive as the story of Anne Frank's father trying to publish her memoir or her her journals probably not because that ip doesn't exist in the first version and does in the other right there's a familiarity there's a curiosity and i think that that's where ip is playing a nice role and it's widely available to anybody who can do a little bit of research um, to create material that brings with it natural curiosity to the to the subject matter and again just to, to remind people that ip means intellectual property intellectual property um Okay, so what about selling? What I'm what I'm hearing from you is 
they're buying this, they're buying that. And, you know, there have been times where people come and go, the spec market is dead. Nobody's buying anything. Don't even try. But it sounds like people are buying things. People are buying things. You know, it's one of those things that the spec market has been dead for like 30 years. And, you know, as long as I've been in this industry, everybody's told me how hard it is. People are buying material is moving. It's, it's not moving in any more significant numbers than it did last year or the year before, especially percentage-wise, in terms of percentage hikes. Um, at the end of this year, will we have sold 130, 140, 150 spec scripts? Potentially, yes. Um, I think that, that while things are moving, they're not selling in droves. They haven't been selling in droves for years and years and years since the 90s. And that's not changing. The problem is actually with writers who look to define success by selling um, in a market that doesn't move a lot of material and moves most of the material that it moves is by second-time sellers, third-time sellers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so for a writer to be successful, they don't have to sell a script. And that's what a lot of writers lose sight of because there is so much literature out there that talks about once you sell a script, you're a made writer. But when you look at the number of scripts that are registered every year, um, versus the number of scripts that sell, a very, very small, minuscule percentage actually sells. Um, we're talking about less than a percent. Um, not a lot of people know those figures and those numbers, but there are many different ways to define success from a spec script, specifically on the feature side, than just a sale. Sale is one of those things. It's a very small uh, bullseye. You can go for it if you really want to, but it will probably be a really frustrating journey because there are many successful feature writers who've sold specs and have had the specs perform for them, but ultimately never got a dime for them, never sold them. Um, so looking at that as, as the gauge to a writer's success today is a little bit out of touch with how the industry has evolved um, and where writers have gone. So for example, you and I know the wonderful Patrick Mahan, who is incredibly talented, and this year, um, towards the end of this year, I think it was October, had his um, spec come out. Mm -hmm. um, hasn't sold yet. It may. Who knows? Tracking board was all over it. Um, they're out to attachments. They're trying to bring in a director. But for all intents and purposes, this spec has already been incredibly successful for Patrick because it opened a bunch of doors for him to general meetings. Um, we'll see whether it ends up landing on the blacklist or not. He's now in talks with people that wouldn't have looked at him sideways uh, to develop content for them. Um, so it really took him from fledgling, talented writer to a screenwriting professional without a dollar changing hand yet, and I'm sure that it will at some point. Um, but it's just when you, as long as you don't only define your possibility for success as a sale, you'll have a lot, lot less frustration, a lot more possibility for success because the market has changed so aggressively in the last 20 years. Um, most material is developed in-house rather than sells from, or rather than starts from a spec that was identified, purchased, and then uh, fast-tracked into production. Um, there's not a lot of material moving as far as sales, but there's a lot of material that's being read. And one of the joys of film is that people still read scripts to just read a good script, which is very different than television, right? Television, you read for two reasons. One, to staff the writer, two, to develop the, the product. If the writer doesn't fall into a need that you have for your show or a show, and the original pilot is not something that you can see yourself making, you're not going to read it. Features, we still read great features. Mm -hmm. They still move around, almost because nobody's going to make them. Like, 
but everybody read bubbles because nobody was going to make it. Mm-hmm. And now it's getting made. But it's about voice. It's about writer's, yeah. writer's voice. Yeah. And right. And eventually, yes, that somebody goes, now it's time. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> oh, just. Just, Sorry. No, no, no. Something flew in and flew out. But uh, Patrick's actually going to be at the marathon tomorrow. He's going to be at the writing marathon. Yes. Awesome. Which means he's going to be here for 15 hours working on his <laughs> next project. He better not be rewriting like an old project. I know. I know. I, you know I'll kick his butt. No, he's got a bunch of work. He's got a bunch of stuff that he has to develop now. It's pretty amazing to watch. And That's cool. That is cool. It's you know been one of the highlights of my year in terms of just watching clients and and their successes and i would like to 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 let people know for the person we're talking about um came he was uh lived in london um came to los angeles um was an on the page listener mm-hmm. um came it said you know i'd like to be I'd like to be in a class and started in classes here, um, went into some private writing groups, got represented after that. Um, Don't with forget the help one of page. Yeah. One page in the process. Which one? What do you mean one page in the process? He won uh, the page uh, yes, award. Yes, he won the, he won the page awards. Yes. So it's really been, you know, it's been years. Yeah. But, but he came here and he really built everything up from scratch mm-hmm. to become a quality writer with the kind of spec that we're talking about that's going to get him into rooms. Yeah. And, um, and I remember what I was going to ask you about. So, <laughs> so yeah, when we're talking about why things are developed in, in-house, it goes back to this idea of IP because let's say that you're you know, a big studio that owns a huge comic book franchise. You're going to develop in-house something that, that is going to be the next comic book movie you're going to do. But you need those writers mm-hmm. to come in and write them or rewrite them. And that's why looking at these things still as samples really, really helps. Because Absolutely. if they're just looking at it for you know, the fun of the read, it's really also with an eye toward how can we hire this person to better one of our existing projects. Listen, if you look at 2014, I don't know why that's the figure that's coming to me, but 2014, the WGA reported roughly 1,800 writers making their income from the film space. I'm not talking about residuals. I'm talking about their income for that year. 132 specs sold that year. What that tells us is the majority of writers in the industry today make their money writing pages, doing writing assignments, writing something from scratch for a company on assignment, um, doing punch-ups, doing rewrites, doing adaptations, doing any number of things for hire. Mm-hmm. But that's the majority of how feature writers are making their money, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a lot more working feature writers than there are writers selling scripts, and that's perfectly okay. Um, and it's an important thing to remember that those relationships, those industry relationships are invaluable because the reason the companies develop in-house is because they know what they want. They know what works for them. They know the kind of thing they're looking for. So sure, they're going to keep reading scripts in case that thing already falls into their, their lap completed, but what if it doesn't? Are you going to just say, well, I guess it doesn't exist. I'm going to go do something else because what I wanted to do is just not out there. Or are you going to find the concept? Are you going to find the person, the book, the article, the blog, the podcast that you want to develop a movie from, bring in a writer that you think will be right for it, whose voice is a good fit with it, and then develop it internally? Um, because of you know everything good and everything bad that happened with the boon of the 90s and our kind of very experimental search of who we are in cinema, trying many, many, many different types of film as a a filmmaking industry. Um, 
companies were forced to really find out who they are and what they do and what they do best. Once they know that, they know what kind of writer they're looking for. And so it's not for nothing that development executives, creative executives are meeting five, 10, sometimes 20 writers a week because they need to find the person that will help them tell the story that is within the mission of their company in the best way possible. It's become a much more collaborative relationship, I find, between writer and producing entity than it was before, where in the 90s you would option a script or sell a script and effectively walk away and somebody else would likely rewrite you. Today we're not seeing option agreements being taken out quite so quickly because the producer, the creative executive, the development exec are going to want to see the script is actually what they want it to be and they have a lot more clarity about what it is that they want it to be. And that's why you can get noted to death even before any money has changed hands, which can be frustrating. It's terrible when it happens. Yeah, Um, but like you said, it's part of that collaborative it's it's a nice nice way to say it <laughs> listen it's there's certainly times where where it goes the wrong way and there are definitely people in this town who are giving notes who shouldn't be um but when a company knows what it wants and actually has the ability to develop and the kind of the chops to do it hopefully it can lead to a great script where the writer is very pleased with the final product the, the producing entity is pleased with the final product it opens a bunch doors for both it gets produced and it gets out there. That's, of course, best case scenario. We've seen the worst case scenario. Um, I think there's a whole Twitter hashtag or hashtag or something about bad exec notes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's certainly out there. But in a perfect world, the pr- producing entity finds a writer, loves the, the voice, brings the writer into a project. They develop a project together. The project then goes to get made. The writer gets writing credit. Everybody lives happily ever after and, of course, gets paid. I like that. I think this is a good note to end on. Everybody lives happily ever after and, of course, gets paid. Um, I want to let everybody know that Lee is going to be here at the On the Page Writer Studio, and we are going to be teaching a class together. We teach this once a year. Yep. Um, so this this year, it is January 21st. It is Sunday, all day from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it is a pitch and business class. So uh, first, Lee tells you everything you need to know about the business. And if you think you got a little bit here, <laughs> wait till you take a class with her and hear what she has to say for for two and a half hours. Yeah, she doesn't shut up. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of information, and it's great information. As you can see, it's current information. Then I will basically sort of uh, walk you through the main elements of a pitch that you can use to pitch that that TV show that you have or the feature that you have or to pitch yourself and your brand or all of those things together in the hopes of, uh, as we said, living happily ever after, making money. <laughs> and so if you're looking to sign up for that, just go to onthepage.tv and you will see the career pitch workshop under classes. And then we will see you January 21st. Can't um, wait. Yeah. Um, where, sh- where can people go to find out things that are all Lee Jessup? Well, interestingly, it's right under LeeJessup.com, which is my <laughs> website. Um, there's a bunch of breaking in videos then there that I started doing this year. My passion's really all about how do writers break in. So in addition to doing my book, I also started doing videos talking to writers who were no writers, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago and how they went to break in. So that's there along with everything I have to say and then some, um, what I do, how I do it. 
All that good stuff. Excellent. Excellent. And um, Lee is also in my new book that just came out called The Coffee Break Screenwriter Breaks the Rules. And um, she has uh, a couple of comments. uh, And I think it's like page 77 or something like that. 77, (laughs) 78. Um, So I just want to let you guys know that it is on I just got a copy of it, which means that it's got to be on bookshelves somewhere. I know MWP does it, has it right now. So MWP.com, the coffee break screenwriter breaks the rules. Then it's going to Amazon and it should definitely be on bookshelves. It's little, but it's mighty like me. Yeah. Like Pilar. Exactly like Pilar. (laughs) Can't wait to read a little rebel book from the rebel coach. So I want to thank Lee again for being here. Thank you so much. Anytime. Apparently this time next year all over again. You got it. You got it. And I'll see you in January too. <laughs> that too. Okay. And have a happy holidays. You too, my darling. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good writing week. Music.